Welcome to Paper Boys, the weekly podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I am your host today, James, along with trusty co-host, Charlie. I'm happy to be here, James. I'm a little shocked you're sitting down today. I'm, I'm planning on standing up for the good parts. I don't know. I think you're getting old. <laughs> this is a first. We, we've transitioned to standing for a while now. I did a lot of walking today, to be fair to myself. Oh, yeah. Great excuse, James. <laughs> Uh, so you're, you brought in something cool today, I hope. Yes. Well, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's decent, but. No, I'm excited about this one. It actually came in as a recommendation from faithful Paperboys listener, uh, Dennis. Oh, nice. Tempe. Yep. Dennis, who's also a, a patron of our Patreon. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah. Another great recommendation. Um, we've been messaging and he sent me this one and it's pretty cool. It is about the universal rate of information transfer across human languages. So like when people speak to each other, how much information is being exchanged? Yeah. If you look at human languages as a means of transmitting information, is there a f- sort of universal rate at which we transmit information? And is this I, kind of like a computer science question almost? Um, information theory. Information theory. Okay. I feel and like that is a very and- broad umbrella that secretly is like a very complicated field. Oh, yeah. It's very complicated. I mean, it has implications in computer science, but also electrical engineering and like everything. Linguistics, apparently. Linguistics. For this study, right? Anything where uh, information is involved, surprisingly. (laughs) And and theories can be applied. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear about it. For anyone who's tuning in for the first time, James and I are both PhD students. We do our own research and we read lots of papers while we do that. So uh, this is kind of our way of, I guess, having a little fun with the fact that we read so much. Uh, so we, we read papers that make headline news and we kind of boil them down and give you the real information and cut through kind of whatever BS is out there in, in mainstream reporting. Absolutely. It's hard to boil down, you know, years of research into a headline. So we try to do that in so, an hour. <laughs> yeah. So we expand it out to about 45 minutes. Yes. Uh, we are the paper boys. thanks everyone for tuning in uh please check us out on twitter and instagram at paperboyspod we'd also love it if you checked out our patreon patreon.com slash paperboyspod uh it's really the best way for you to support the show besides just you know sending us your x's and o's on social media uh we do bonus episodes every month and you get those for pi dollars and we have had some really cool bonus episodes they've actually like changed my life they've changed the way that i see the world just recording them they have. Like, uh, the last one we did, I sleep a lot more now. Mm-hmm. The one before that has, like, I feel like I look at people like lab rats now. I know. And, like, our society as a, a mouse experiment, you know? You'll never go to the bar and drink, like, blissfully ignorantly again. Ever, yeah. The, the mice of Universe 25 will weigh on your mind forever. Forever. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've had some really cool topics, and we've gotten a lot of really cool feedback. So I suggest checking that out. Our next one that's going to be coming up on uh, on december 1st we're i think we're going to touch on the stanford prison experiment yeah the our classic. white whale yes <laughs> <laughs> the white whale of paper boys yeah i'm excited about this one i you know it comes up so often in everyday conversation and there's controversy around it plus it deals with nazis what's not to 
want to dive into. Yeah. Enough of a enough of a teaser there. Go to patreon.com slash paperboyspod. Top up your pie dollars so you can check out all the previous bonus episodes before that one drops December 1st. Sorry. Did that sound weird? I don't think <laughs> What's so. Nazis. What's not to want to dive into? That's that fine. Make sense. Yeah, we could dive into Nazis. That's always fun for people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, you are talking about speech and information theory today, the speed yes. of speech. Do you think that they could run our podcast through like some of their theories and see what sort of information rate we have? I think they could. Really? And they would probably find the information density is very high. Of course. Yes. We never <laughs> joke. To... We never say anything worthless. I was going to say low, but I'm very confident in the content of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's what's interesting broadly about languages. Languages are universal for human culture. There are like over 7,000 languages on in the, the world. planet. Wow. And despite this, despite the universality of language, there are very few properties that are truly universal across languages. Oh, that's like a deep statement. So languages have grammar, but like grammar functions change drastically between different language families. Language family. Oh, meaning like romance languages. Or like Indo-European. Okay. Also, I mean, yeah. Okay. I was, I just didn't really understand what a language family was for a second there. Yeah. So, I mean, there are romance languages, Germanic languages, and then even broader groupings. Gotcha. Okay. Because of this, like people are really interested in the fact that we use language to transmit information. But languages sort of on the surface seem so different from each other, despite the fact that they're always used. So it, it begs interesting questions like, well, if I'd grown up as a Russian speaker or a Vietnamese speaker, would I be better at conveying information? Or like, you know, Hungary is a small country with a very complicated language, but a disproportionately high number of mathematicians. Is it because of the language oh. that they're introduced to these things and like they're better at, you know, every word that they say contains more information? Yeah, they're just like oozing. They're just dripping with like equations when they speak or something. Yeah, I mean, so there is like there are these like cool symmetries and things that come up. But basically what this paper was looking at is like how much information do languages convey? And is there some sort of like universal number that they converge to? Okay, so this is purely a question of like it's like a data rate, almost like if you were to plug a cable between, you know, two people speaking the language. Yeah. Okay. Because so you bringing up the fact that well, language is universal, but they're very different from each other, is just making me think of like I feel like I've heard, and you know, we probably need to do a whole paper boys episode on this. But you hear these tidbits in the news about like well, people who speak German, it's like a very aggressive language, and there's like a lot of really ma- there's a lot of like masculine words, and so it's a very like it's a very like uh, precise and like kind of it like a, it's reflected in people's personalities, or like in Chinese, they don't have a future tense. And so apparently that affects the way that they actually save for retirement, like stuff like that, where you're like, whoa, just these sort of paradigms you would never really understand without having grown up with the language. Yeah. I mean, that's any relation there. Like, well, so there's a just to tie into that, there's a famous quote from, I think, Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. Check. Oh, Charles. He was known for being a polygot, speaking a bunch of different languages. And so sort of to that point, he's like, every language has this thing that it's really good at he's like you know you should pray in spanish make love in italian perform diplomacy in french and use like science or like fight wars or something in german it was something like that wow but that's that's pretty cool yeah so paper but it's a it's a topic of constant debate okay but so the paper wants to kind of boil things down into just just the data yes because when you get down to the bottom of it 
every language at the end of the day fulfills its need of letting us communicate, right? Otherwise, the language dies and you switch to something else. Right. So this sounds like a really interesting way of looking at things. I'm curious. So Dennis sent you this. Mm -hmm. Was this like in the mainstream news and was this like a big popular paper? Um, yeah, it was popping up across many different sites. There was an article in Y Combinator. There was an article in The Atlantic. Uh, the title was A Rare Universal Pattern in Human Language. Uh, Science Daily had an article. Similar information rates across languages despite divergent speech rates. So that mm. gives you some indication of what's happening. So information rates are, di are the same, but speech rates are different. Yes. Okay. I think maybe we'll have to dive into that distinction there later. But what's the actual paper that they're covering? So the actual paper is titled Different Languages, Similar Encoding Efficiency, Comparable Information Rates Across the Human Communicative Niche. The first author is Christopher Coupe um, from the Dynamic Language Laboratory at CNRS, which is in France. Oh, okay. Center, national, it's like the National Research Center. Okay. I got to say, for a paper about like conveying information with language, that title is weird. Yeah. Hard to understand. Yeah. Kind of verbose. Yeah. I just feel like if, you know, that came across my desk, I would say rewrite this title, like call it something that <laughs> makes more sense. Yeah. I'm sure for linguists, like every, you know, every syllable in that has meaning. But it's true. Yeah. But, you know, it's got a colon and like a catchphrase at the beginning. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just the way that their field kind of works. Also, I'm not, I'm not here to judge the book by its cover. I'm yeah. sure the paper's really <laughs> cool. But I, I mean, I don't think they, they tried to make it like the most information-dense paper ever, but uh, it was an interesting read, truthfully. I think languages are fascinating, and it was really interesting because I do some stuff with information theory, hmm. but zero with linguistics. Yeah. To just see this like totally different approach and how you break it down for language, because ultimately, like, uh, how do you convey, like, what's the most basic form of information in speech? You know, for digital electronics, we have bits. Yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah. So that, that headline earlier mentioned like the difference between speech rate and information rate. Is that, I mean, I can kind of guess speech rate is like how fast you talk. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? So speech rate is how fast you talk. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So they define speech rate as syllables per second. Oh, okay. But, you know, I think there's generally an attitude that like Italians speak very fast. Yeah. Does that mean that they're conveying more information then if they're speaking faster? Is more information coming across as fast? Huh. I actually don't know. I mean, I know you've kind of already teased the results of this paper, but I'm like kind of having a hard time believing it already. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So, so speech rate is syllables per second, but then you mentioned information rate. And I mean, you're right. Like we don't have bits and bytes like we do with computers and like data. How do you define information in speech, especially comparing different languages? Yeah, so I mean, that was one of the first things that they looked at is uh, you could go by words, but that becomes very difficult to determine how much information is in a word. Yeah, like, you could go by phonemes. So like to illustrate what a phoneme is, if you look at the word cat, there are three phonemes. K, A, T, okay. cat. Like the phonemes are things you can put together to make words? Yes. Okay. And the problem, though, is that in common speech versus written language, like we often drop those out. So it's hard. It's like a, it's not a very reliable measure of spoken information. I see. So they opted for syllables because they're slightly more robust than phonemes in terms of being maintained in speech. Of course, right. you know, in some slang, you drop it out. 
and they vary drastically between languages, which makes it interesting to study for speech rate. Okay. So in terms of the number of syllables that exist in a language. Um, right. But sorry, I was asking about information rate, though. How do they like quantify information that's being conveyed? So the way that they measured information rate was by essentially having native speakers of different languages read the same translated text. Okay. So they're all reading the, something that says the same thing, but in a different language. Yes. Okay. They're coherent sentences. It's not like gibberish. They had them read it a couple times so that they were used to it and wouldn't make mistakes. And then they chopped out pauses that occurred like for if they stumbled. Yeah. Anything that was a pause that isn't like considered part of a phoneme. Right. And they were basically, they could count the number of syllables that existed in that text. And that number of syllables changes between languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as you'd expect. Yeah. And so they could figure out how many syllables were conveyed over the duration of the time it took them to speak. So if you read, yeah. you, if you read a, like a page, it's going to take you a minute, for example, and you'll say however many syllables over yeah. that period of time to convey that much information. Okay, yeah. I feel like you just keep avoiding my actual question, though. No, but, but I mean, that's how much information you're communicating then. Wait, so the syllables are the bits of information now? Yes, because I mean, those are the words that you're oh. saying that convey meaning. But if, if I just have one word that's really long but only means one thing... How, then why like why should that count as more information like if a word in german has like 10 syllables and it just really means like water fountain uh-huh then if i say it in english as water fountain the german guy didn't communicate 10 you know 10 syllables worth of information well so i mean there's speech rate and then information so yeah so this, is, this is what i'm asking like i feel like we i understand speech rate well so it's basically what you're saying then in this water fountain example between English and German, you're saying that it takes more bits to represent the information in German than it does in English. Okay. So then what is the definition of the information rate? Okay. Bear with me for this explanation. Okay. Because this is probably, this is the crux of the paper for me in understanding it. Okay. In terms of linguistics. So should we, should we tell the world what, what we just did? Yeah, we just took a 10 minute break. <laughs> we so actually like, just took a 10 minute break to like hash this out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a complicated paper, man. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it, too, for this. I mean, and for myself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I'm ready, though. I'm ready. So information rate is it's helpful to look at the units. It's bits per second. So it's okay. the like raw units of information that you're conveying per second. But the unit, those units are not the same as like bits on a computer, right? Not necessarily. Okay. But it's conveying the same idea. And the idea is this. If you look, if you're given a syllable and, you know, in words like one syllable is, off, is followed by other syllables. So if mm -hmm. I say you have this syllable and let's say that that reduces the number of words that follow by like 50%, so by half, then that would represent one bit of information. That syllable is really important. It represents one bit of information. Okay. Let's say... Okay. So, for example, if I say the word cat mm -hmm. and I have a whole text, but you have this prior information of the word cat, let's say I'm talking a lot about categories of cats. So these words come up all the time. But then if I say just cat and you want to know what I'm trying to convey, maybe I just helped you narrow down the possibilities by I just like have the number of possibilities of things I could be talking about in this text. Right. You're talking about cats. I could be talking about categories. I could be talking about catapult catastrophes yeah and stuff like that but i'm not talking about dogs okay so each syllable will actually 
like the first syllable of a word will probably have a lot of bits because if you say cat, I mean, that narrows it down from the, you know, I don't know, 100,000 words available in the language down to like 100 right off the bat. Yeah, you could say so. I think that's fair. I don't know exactly how they like went. I wasn't it wasn't clear to me like how they went through the data is like you just go and like march syllable by syllable. But there is like there is a formula for calculating this. So if you plug in this data from the text that they're having these people read, they can actually go through and calculate, you know, how many bits per second are transmitted per syllable. Dude, okay, I think I'm starting to grasp this. So like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the example before of water fountain, Mm -hmm. I'll say what, and then you're like, okay, that had a lot of information. I can now start to really zero in on some ideas of like what you're trying to say. There are not many words that start with what. Right. So that's like a bunch of bits right there. And then I say, er, and you're like, oh, okay, it's water. I mean, water is the word, but then I'm going to keep going. And then it's like fount. And then fount suddenly gets you to like, there's pretty much only one thing I could be saying Mm -hmm. at this point. It's water fountain. So the in is kind of a no bit syllable because you've already narrowed it down to water fountain by the time that I say water fount. Yeah. Yeah. So the in part gives you no extra bits, but it's an extra syllable. It's like noise. So like if we were talking really quickly or like there were other people, you know, talking around us, I could get most of the idea of what you're saying with water fount. But like maybe if you threw in that in when we're talking, like you wouldn't just drop the in when we're talking. Right. That would be weird. (laughs) It would be weird. But it's a great example because it's like, yeah, that syllable doesn't carry much information with it. Huh. So here's the question. Based on the way this information is, these bits are defined, does the four-syllable water fountain and the whatever 10-syllable, you know, fake word for water fountain that I'm making up in German, does that have the same number of bits? Like, is the number of bits to convey a certain concept constant across a language or across different languages? Like, if ultimately you're going to arrive by the 10th by the syllable or by the fourth syllable, you arrive at the same concept. Is that the same number of bits? And the information rate is changed because there's more syllables? Yes. So I think you you have to say that was why they use these texts, because you're conveying the same total number of same total amount of information. Okay. So Wow, that's really cool. Yes. That's like such a cool concept. Yeah, it's pretty neat, right? Yeah. All right. So that's sort of like the control. They're controlling the total volume of bits. What's variable then is the number of syllables that are spoken Mm -hmm. because the words and the rate at which they're spoken right so an italian person is going to be saying them much faster yes and and so for each language uh, a syllable is associated with a certain number of bits and a speaker will have a certain speech rate so syllables per second and you multiply those together and you get information rate bits per second okay all right that makes sense okay i'm glad that we hashed that out because it was not making sense before. Yeah. It's like a much more satisfying work with that in mind. Okay. So uh, let's take a pause make sure our listeners have... Uh, hey, everyone listening, did you understand that? <laughs> Give us a call if you still have questions. I mean, in summary, so speech rate times information density equals information rate. So syllable per second times bits per syllable equals bits per second right so if the same paragraph that's in english versus japanese let's say like the japanese one has twice as many syllables there's half as many bits per syllable yes and then you know but there's still the same information and then it's just a matter of how fast you say it so i'm curious 
how did they then like you you said that they had speakers actually reading this like constant body of text Mm -hmm. that was the same thing translated what was the actual like um you know method here what was the experimental setup to have these people read these things why were they reading them so yeah let me just take one step back just to give you an idea of the sample size so 17 languages that included english french vietnamese turkish thai spanish japanese korean finnish like a pretty good mix hungarian yeah wow um chinese and they had 10 people from each language five male five female because there's that's a big sample size that's a lot of people i mean yeah it's 17 languages and 10 people each i think it took like three years for them to get the data wow that's crazy and it's hard you know because like you need these people to be native speakers they need to be able to read the text yeah um it's a lot of work. And That's so really crazy. Each speaker then read 15 semantically similar texts for a total of about 24,000 syllables in English. Uh, 24,000 each speaker for uh, the whole data set? For the whole data set. Okay. They recorded it, and the total number of syllables for each text for each language was like predefined before. They like went through and like calculated it by looking at the language and splitting it up. Right. Okay. So like the word probably three syllables. Okay. This allowed the researchers to determine the number of syllables encoded in the speech signal, so the recording, and thus the number of syllables potentially retrieved by a listener. So if you listen to the recording, this is how many syllables you would receive. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And then they calculated the ratio between the number of syllables and the duration. And using that Shannon entropy equation that I talked about before, for each language, they knew the bits per syllable. Bits per syllable. Okay. All right, so I'm curious what uh, what language has the most bits per syllable? Uh, it's actually Vietnamese. Wow. Let me double check that. Yeah, so Vietnamese at 8 bits per symbol. Lowest was Basque with 4.8 bits per symbol. Vietnamese Basque, having 8. Is Basque like that's uh, Spanish, but like not? It's in that like region right between Spain and France, but it's like not related to any. That's like Catalonia, languages. right? Like, we're, is, like don't they speak Basque in Barcelona? They speak Catalan. Oh, that's different. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Catalan's a lot similar to Spanish. Basque is one of those where it's like they're not sure what the origins are because the language is so different. Oh, okay. So Basque has the lowest bits per syllable. Lowest bits per syllable. Okay. Vietnamese has the highest. I'm curious where English falls. English falls about in the middle. English is like like five and a half to six uh, bits per syllable. Okay. What did you say Vietnamese was? 17? No. Vietnamese is eight. Oh, eight. Okay. So eight was the highest. Four was the lowest. Sorry. I said that wrong. English is seven bits per syllable. Oh, okay. So close to Vietnamese. Yes. So now I'm curious how the speed of each of these languages stacks up. Yeah. So that's a good question. So if we look at the actual speech rates, Japanese is pretty high at nearly eight syllables per second. Whoa. Okay. That doesn't surprise me though. And then at the bottom end, we have like Thai, Vietnamese. Those are at like four and a half, five syllables per second. Wait, so Vietnamese has the highest bits per syllable, but the lowest speech rate. And that's an important finding. Wow. So that's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. Whoa. It's this negative relationship. Dude. No way. Okay. And so Vietnamese has like complicated tonations. I think there's like six tonations per syllable. Oh, so they can convey way more information for tonalities without having to add syllables. Yeah. But 
what that means is that you convey fewer syllables per second. Wow, that's crazy. So, wait, okay, I need to ask again, where does English stack up in the speech rate? Speech rate, English is on sort of the lower, just barely the lower half at about six syllables per second. Six syllables per second, that's pretty good. And now I'm like feeling self-conscious, like, do I speak at that rate? Am I speaking fast enough? Am I too fast? If you're speaking too fast, you may not be conveying more information. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, like Italian is also pretty high. Italian actually has a really big spread. There's a cool graph that shows it uh, for oh, speech rate like for every language. and information rate. Yeah, some yeah. of them are really spread out. Yep. And that's just a function of like how it varies from speaker to speaker in that language? Yeah, from the speakers that they measured. Okay. Some are very tight. So like Finnish, pretty tight speech rate and information rate. Meaning they all speak very similarly. At least across the population. So yeah, I guess that's what I would wonder. Like if you went to the South in the United States... People speak with this very slow drawl. Do you think that, that that has an effect? I mean, like different just dialects of the same language are going to speak at different rates. So how much does like the difference in the speakers affect their results here? So the difference in the speaker affects speech rate. But it has what they found is that it has less of an effect on the overall information rate for a family of languages. Uh, Sorry, can you clarify that? So, okay. So there, yes, the individual speaking has an effect. Gender also has an effect. Oh, really? On speech rate. Yeah. Interesting. But what they found was when they like looked at the information rate for a language and then also for a language family. So you can you can group these as like Austroasiatic languages, Indo-European, Turkic languages, stuff like that. They find that individual variance in the speech rate doesn't matter as much. So the variance in information rate is lower. Oh, I see. Even if you have like kind of a widespread in one language that spread still doesn't overlap very much with the spread of a different family. Yes, if you look okay. at the, the overall. So, like, that's one thing that I'm interested in that I didn't really feel like was addressed. So Finnish and Hungarian are related. They're, like, this weird, not weird, but, like, unique family of languages in Europe that aren't really related to many others. Hmm. But so it's a very small, there's a very small population of people who speak those languages. Yeah. Versus, like, English or Chinese, when there's a huge population that speaks it. and so. Maybe you'd have to look at, like, what's the information rate in the southern United States versus, like, northern Scotland or... Yeah. I mean, like, know. regional differences could be everything. I mean, yeah, like, I have trouble understanding, like, yeah, some Scottish people, and they're speaking the same language. Like, at that point, it may as well almost be a different language, or they're a completely different speaker of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess this, I guess this was... You kind of touched on this earlier. You said there's, like, 7,000 languages or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's kind of one of the limitations of this paper. Yeah, just going through. I mean, it sounds like it took them a ton of work just to get the speakers and to get all, all the recordings. And also, you know, you have to analyze all the texts, make sure the texts are the same. It's a lot of work. And yeah, and just having like translators to do all that is probably already hard enough. Yes. So you said like there's this really cool result. Higher speech rate also has lower information per syllable. Mm-hmm. So does it all balance out in the end? What's the actual like bits per second for different languages? So that's a great question. So what they found was that the mean information rate was 39.1 bits per second with a standard deviation of about plus minus five, or with standard deviation of five bits per second, basically. Okay, but does is averaging it, is that meaningful or do they actually come out in sort of a ranked order? So, I mean, there is there is a difference in the amount of information conveyed in the information rates between languages. Oh, there is. Okay, and the so, headlines that you kind of brought up at the start made it sound like everything was going to be the same. 
that was the sense that I got from all the headlines and reading the papers and like, you know, people being really excited because it's like it's this universal idea that we're falling into one range. And, I, you know, I guess we are. It depends on you sort of have to look at the relative bounds. There is so there is variance on the order of like plus minus, you know, standard deviation of five bits. Per yeah, second. it's it sounds like it's not the case where it's like one language can convey at twice the information rate as another. Yes. Like they're all in the same order. So I guess what the what you find is that speech rate varies more than information rate varies. I think that's the takeaway. Yeah, well, so that result is really cool. The idea that like you convey more information per syllable, but you say less syllables and vice versa. Yes. That's really cool. But what's interesting... But it sounds like it doesn't shake out completely when they combine it into an information rate. No, so like if you look, French and English seem to have high information rates versus like uh, Thai seems to have a lower information rate. Turkish has a lower information rate. This is Basque has a lower information rate. Yeah, wow. I mean, so there's a spread between like, you know, maybe 35 and 45 bits per second. But what's interesting is that these languages are all following in that range. Yeah, they're all in a similar range. But I mean, that's actually a big difference if you think about it. 10 bits per second difference like well i don't really know if you went to a conference in french versus <laughs> you get con- a quarter more information you get 25 percent more information yeah you could cut off friday and have a beach day yeah get the same information that maybe you got that's the why week. french the french work week's only 35 hours because they're conveying more information per syllable they've got it figured out boom i'm moving to europe yeah let's do it all Although right. I guess that suggests we could just do that here in America because English looks pretty similar to French. Join us next week for the first Paperboys <laughs> episode in French. Yeah. We're actually cutting the time uh, by a quarter. Yeah, next week will be three minutes shorter. Uh, dude, that's really cool, though. Yeah, it took me a little bit to like wrap my head around this paper, honestly, because I, I like I was swayed by reading the articles in the media that it's like they sort of emphasize this fact that it's like all languages convey information at 39.1 bits per second. But that's not true at all. It's not true. There's a range. And that's just among the 17 they studied here. Yes. So if these 17 have a standard deviation of plus minus 25%, or I guess plus minus, you know, 12.5%, do you think that that range gets larger when you add more languages? Or do you think it gets smaller? I mean, are these languages like a representative average of world languages? I highly doubt it. Well, but if you take into the fact, like, so English, French, Spanish, it doesn't look like they have Arabic, but they have Chinese, uh, some Mandarin and Cantonese. So it does represent a large portion of like global population. I guess it represents a large chunk of population, but I'm more, but like, to me, that's not, that's not as, that's a very interesting practical question is like among people what's the difference but i guess i'm more interested just out of like pure scientific curiosity Mm -hmm. is what is the difference between languages period like do you know does like why is it that you know there's like even a bunch of different native american languages from different tribes Mm -hmm. those probably have no relation at all to all these different languages that they're studying here would they fall in the same spread that would be interesting or does that family have like a whole different Huh. All, you, all you need is like one crazy outlier to totally shake this up. To completely rethink, like, I mean, that would change the way we think about everything, probably. I mean, that's maybe an exaggeration, but that would probably change the way linguists think about everything. Yes. If there's one crazy outlier like that. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Do you think there's a language that just conveys like no information? It's just a bunch of waste, like pig Latin or like uh, gibberish or something. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see where like uh, Elvish fell onto the list. They're dude. probably at like, you know, 50 bits per second. Yeah, dude. Throttling up. But like so Elvish, you know, in the in the let's pretend we live in a world where there are elves sense, but also like Elvish in the sense of languages that authors made up. Yeah. I'd be so, really curious, like Elvish and uh Klingon and stuff, like do those languages follow the same kind of kind of laws? Well, so here's an interesting example that they didn't study, but modern Hebrew is like essentially a man made language. There's ancient Hebrew. Huh. But it had been like that. revised and like stoked basically like at the end of the 19th century or end of the 20th century, end of the 19th century, huh. like in preparation. So they had to create a lot of new words and, you know, they're they're pulling off an ancient uh, an ancient foundation. But like it'd be interesting to look at that or like these really old languages like Icelandic that have strong roots to like their medieval origins. Right. It'd be interesting to see what's the difference between these more modern languages versus these older languages. Yeah, because maybe maybe the spread has to do with like the evolution of the language. Like maybe uh, certain languages are more evolved for higher efficiency or maybe they're more evolved for less efficiency, something like that. Yeah. Maybe ancient languages were more efficient. Yeah. So I mean, maybe the tweets. spread has to do with how long that language has been around or do you how look at much a lot of changed over time or totally. I'm getting I might switch PhDs dude this is really cool it's making me think of the episode we did a couple months back about like how the f sound like soft those soft labial fricatives or whatever they were yeah like f and and b and v came out of like a dietary change because they became easier to say so that's probably a more efficient thing to say you know what I mean yeah well it's funny you bring that up because like after looking at this and looking at a bunch of different articles about this paper that article was coming up as like a recommendation. Oh, nice. <laughs> and a bunch of links. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Dude, so in looking up this paper, this is slightly tangential, but I feel like we're sort of at the end. This was really cool. So, you know, we have some upper limit as human beings as to the number of syllables per second we can understand. Like as English speakers. Mm, yeah. You know, the average rate was about six syllables per second. We could probably understand something a little bit higher than that, but up to a limit. They've tested this. That's like research <laughs> they probably like you know the end of like car ads on the radio when Ten, some guy yeah. comes on and says like whatever they probably are putting that at the max of human understanding it is Wait, you're absolutely actually, right is yeah. this for the anecdote you're gonna bring up well yeah i mean so that's measured and it's because they do it at that rate because that's sort of the limit of what we can understand that's so funny but they're just throwing syllables at you here's the crazy thing if you were blind you could basically double the number of syllables you can process per second. No. Yes. Are you serious? Meaning like blind people have higher processing rates? They can comprehend speech sped up to 25 syllables per second. No way. Yeah. Dude, Isn't think that of sweet? how many audiobooks you could listen to. Yeah. So I was reading comments. The reason I found this, there's a great Scientific American article I'll post online and... The reason I've even like heard about this was I was reading the comments on the Y Combinator article about uh, the transmission rate of languages. And this guy was saying he was working, he had a coworker who was blind. And so he'd read documents by like using the audio playback tool on oh, computers. Yeah. Which you could change the speed of. Yeah. So he had it bumped up like pretty fast. 
And this guy was like, I had no idea. I couldn't understand anything. And I asked him, I was like, do you understand this? He's like, yeah, that's crazy. And they linked to this article and it's nuts. Dude, that's really crazy. I wonder if there's anything that says like, if you close your eyes, you can listen to things faster. Oh, that'd be interesting. Like, I wonder, I wonder like why that is, why is it that blind people can listen to things so much faster? I mean, there's been research showing like your brain repurposes the part of your brain that would be used for sight for other functions. Yeah. So you, that's crazy that Translate. it gets dedicated like straight to listening like that, you know, or listening, to, to like yeah. word processing, I guess. I've heard if, I've heard it for like, you know, heightened sense of listening. Mm-hmm. So like you're better at hearing soft sounds and like localization. Yeah. But the fact that it comes to word processing, too, is like, you know, that you think of that as a higher level function. Yeah, that's not really like a sense. I mean, that's that's like cognition. And yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's man. That's, that's cool. really cool. Yeah. Kind of wish we had a whole episode about that now. Yeah. I need to know the answer. So many possibilities. Wow. So many possibilities. Dude, okay. This was, I know, I hope that everyone has stuck with this to the end because I know we had kind of a, we had a little lull in the middle there where we both were not really understanding what was going on, but I'm glad that, I'm glad we hashed it out. Yeah. I feel like we're better for it. We've come a long way. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for bearing with my not understanding. Because I was asking you some really dumb questions. No, I mean, I mean that's one of the reasons I like doing this podcast is like you can read a paper, but then when you actually have to talk about it and discuss it, and then when you know that you, the listeners, are listening to it, uh, it forces us to try a little bit harder to understand it and explain it well. Yeah, actually, my uh, so I guess it was like two or three weeks ago we did the quantum computing episode, mm-hmm. and I gave that explanation of like how what a computer is at like a base level, and then I was like. Yeah, that, that was probably a terrible explanation. And then uh, my friend Alec, who was the one who suggested the paper, he was like, hey, by the way, your explanation of a computer was actually pretty good. Nice. I was so proud of myself. And then he was like, "He was like, you know what they say, if you can't teach it, then you don't know it. If you can't podcast about it. Yeah, I just felt very proud. That's great. So I had yeah. to brag about that a little bit on air. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Professor Charlie Kelly someday. Yeah, that's uh, that's what they'll call me. All right, this is just the last little thing. Charlie, do you want to hear what 16 syllables per second sounds like? Knowing that car salesmen, like, or car sales, or <laughs> knowing thing. that radio advertisements at the end are like 10 syllables per second. That's 10? And uh, blind yeah. people can hear 25? Yeah. Okay, I'm nervous. Here, 16 syllables per second. Dude, no. Yeah. You're telling me that blind people can understand that? Yeah. No. You people yeah. need to see my face right now. I'm like, my face is melting. I know. We should do another episode about okay, that. Hang on. Play it again. <laughs> I mean, I wish I knew what it is. <laughs> it's like a fever dream. Sounds like he's talking about coffee. I hope so. I hope so. He probably just drank about a gallon of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> to speak that fast. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mind is sufficiently blown. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Everyone, please go check this out. Uh, the paper will post it on our website, paperboyspodcast.com. We'll also tweet it out at paperboyspod. You can find it there. We usually do, we started to do these word clouds. So I imagine on the word cloud, the biggest word will be like, uh, huh? <laughs> huh? Mm, don't understand. Well, so. <laughs> yeah. No, when we make those, I always have to delete. The top word is always like, which is annoying, but... We just enjoy a lot of things. That's the only reason. Mm, I'm sure that's why we say like so much. Yeah. 
anyway, check that out. Uh, also, please, I'll push it again. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. It really, honestly, like it, it genuinely means the world to me and James. When people support us on there, it costs, it's basically like having one cup of coffee a month. So just think of it like you're buying me and James a cup of coffee, and we're going to tell you about some cool research on the bonus episode. And they're usually like, they're totally different topics from what we talk about here on the show. It's like historical or something funny or space mutiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're super fun. Yeah. We have tons of fun making them. Sometimes we drink. And they impact your life. And they will impact your life. Yeah. Probably more than this. Good bang for your buck. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Please join us again next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys in French. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, please not. No.